Man, if there's one lesson I've taken away from the years of WP, it's that quality is a massive differentiator. It's putting the time and effort into creating something of the best quality possible uh, is, to me, uh, massive. And it's often overlooked. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by the team at Valet. Valet helps brands unleash their potential with real-time metrics, intelligent recommendations, and that age-old method of having an awesome team to back it all up. See, my friends at Valet are up to something really, really cool. But first, let me ask you this question. Every time you build a website for a client, don't you feel like you're making the web a better place? Well, here's the thing. Valet's got something in the works that will let you back that claim up. It's called Valet Metrics, and you can get your free website snapshot over at valetmetrics.com. It's an amazing tool. You get in-depth analysis of a website covering security, speed, usability, traffic, conversions, all wrapped up in this beautiful reporting dashboard that provides action, not fluff. You and Valet, making WordPress and the web a better place. Get your snapshot at valetmetrics.com. Episode 7, Season 4, Sean Hesketh of WP101 joins the airwaves today, another fellow audio guy just like me. And uh, have you ever tried educating your customer on how to use WordPress or the popular plugins around WordPress and doing that every single time a new WordPress version comes out? Well, that's what Sean's business is all about, WP101. You might have heard of them before. Uh, Many of the hosts and agencies use his plugin to uh, embed training and tutorial videos right inside of WordPress. Uh, It's definitely grown as a business and it's it's just amazing to hear the level of quality and dedication he's put into this because so many people try to make a go of turning uh, you know tutorials and education around the WordPress space they try to make it into their own business and a lot of folks are successful with it but Sean is certainly uh, the granddaddy of them all in terms of uh, what he's built as a business how long he's been in business and where he sees this business scaling to so if that's interesting to you or you simply want to learn what it's like to run uh, a different business in the WordPress space this is a great episode for you it's matreport.com slash subscribe let's get into the show hey Sean welcome to the Matt Report. Matt, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. It's like I've been doing this for three and a half years, and why haven't I had you on already? <laughs> you know, I've been asking myself the same question for a very long time. Glad you finally saw the light. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. I saw you glancing over, giving me those dirty looks at WordCamps before, and I was like, oh, I'll get you on the show one day. <laughs> uh, so, so you're the mastermind behind WP 101. Um, I know you. I know a lot of folks in the audience probably do know you. But for those who don't, what's your two-minute elevator pitch of who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Sean Hesketh, and I created WordPress 101, which is a video tutorial series mainly geared towards beginners, helping them learn how to use WordPress to build and manage their own website content. Before that, though, I spent 26 years as a freelance designer. So doing a lot of uh, branding materials and advertising and marketing. So I'm still recovering from 26 years as a freelancer, Uh, (laughs) Uh, but that's been a great experience and is actually what led me into creating WordPress training uh, for our audience. Originally created to uh, basically provide the same level of training for my own clients. I was designing WordPress sites back in 2007 and 8 and found the need to train my customers on how to update their own content using WordPress So I decided to create a series of video tutorials to help them do that. And uh, then we made that available to a larger audience. I talked to some friends of mine who were developers and designers in the space who also needed a similar resource for their customers. So so we decided to open that up. And in the years since, we just celebrated our eighth anniversary. And now we've helped over a million people learn how to use WordPress. That's pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> if, if I had a soundboard, I'd hit the applause button right, right now. <laughs> I'd, be press, I'd be pressing it. Um, I'm just going to fire away at a question that's sort of on my mind as I dive back into doing a lot more sort of YouTube stuff uh, with screencasts and tutorials as well. Do you think video is the best means to teach uh, based on your experience? What's your feedback in that, in that realm in terms of getting somebody to learn how to do something in WordPress? Yeah, this is something I give a lot of thought to. And while I know video tutorials and video training are really popular these days, 
to be honest, I feel like there are much better ways to learn. In the end, I think people learn in different styles. Some folks learn better by just text that they can easily skim and digest. Uh, other folks, you know, prefer a one-on-one -on -one kind of hands-on approach, very personalized approach. Uh, video seems to be a very familiar tool for a lot of folks. And we, uh, in WP 101, we primarily use screencasts. So we're really just showing you actions on screen. So there's less talking heads, that kind of thing. So um, I, it, it obviously has been incredibly effective for our audience. Uh, but I'm constantly giving thought to this. I really want to figure out better ways to provide uh, you know, the best training and learning experience. And it's challenging because when you deliver training via screencasts, uh, you're somewhat limited. And I really, uh, I derive a lot of feedback from the, uh, you know, verbal, uh, excuse me, the facial expressions and kind of the nonverbal communication. And if that, as studies show, uh, you know, comprises 80% of our communication, then we're missing an awful lot by only delivering training via screencasts. So this is something I'm always giving thought to, uh, you know, probably the, the best uh, companion to our screencasts is our Q&A forum uh, in which I'm able to really interact with our uh, students and answer their real world questions and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think comparing the video training with a more personalized hands-on approach certainly helps us toward that end. But yeah, I'd like to see a lot more done uh, to improve what we're delivering now in terms of online training. The one of the biggest sort of to industry topics or trends is content marketing. And a lot of companies sort of say, OK, we need to do this thing called content marketing. We, we need to we need to publish a blog post or yep. whatever. Like they told us we have to do that. Right. That's the, that's how we're going to get found right. nowadays. And a lot of companies sort of resort to you know creating their own training material uh, for their own products. Right. But then they start expanding into you know, other areas. So people who maybe subscribe to a lot of SaaS software, they will get emails from, you know, their particular SaaS provider and they'll be teaching you how to, you know, pitch clients or how to organize your day. And they're like totally unrelated, but they all work for the, this type of customer avatar. Yeah. Um, based on your efforts, like where do you balance free content marketing material and then bridge the gap to paid content that you actually get paid for for like these in-depth tutorials. Like, how do you balance that in in the world in your world uh, of business? That's a great question. I feel like abundant information wants to be free. Um, scarce information or information that has more value that is harder to come by obviously wants to be very expensive. So, if I had my way, we would make all of our video tutorials at the basic level free. Um, unfortunately, if we did that, we wouldn't be in business very long. So uh, we do have expenses and we've got to be able to deliver this over years. We've committed to doing this for years to come. In order to do that, we've got to be able to ensure that I can make a livelihood and that we can pay other developers and other people to come along board. So, um, you know, that's the challenges that we constantly face with regard to this. I, you know, again, because WordPress is open source, I would love to be able to make this training available for free. Where do I draw the line? I feel like when it's information that could really benefit the largest uh, audience possible, um, then we choose to deliver some of that via, you know, blog articles or how-to uh, articles. So that's the way that we leverage our blog. We kind of make a dividing line there between the content that we publish for free on the blog, basic how-tos, really simple stuff that doesn't require necessarily creating these in-depth video tutorials. They're going to require more, uh, more thought, more preparation, more production. So once we get into those deeper topics that are better explained through a full thought-out, you know, script, uh, very carefully articulated. Um, curriculum that takes a lot more time and a lot more energy and we're just not able to provide that right now anyway for free so that's kind of where we make the distinction uh, less along the lines of uh, you know thinking about where, where we're gonna get the most money from our audience I mean to be honest that's not why I got into this it's not why we created it in the first place it really was to provide this valuable resource so I'm constantly thinking about ways that we can deliver more training to a larger audience and get more eyeballs uh, on these videos and also our blog content. And I, you know, I kind of bring that up because, you know, if I were to compare you and you're not uh, far off from just being like someone like the rest of us where we're product creators and we're putting our product out there and especially in the WordPress world where customers, you know, you put out this plugin, you've got all the documentation in the world, 
uh, you've got videos, you've got your own tutorials, and they can't use it, they can't figure it out, and they just, this thing sucks, give me my money back. And you're like, no, let me, let me help you first. So kind of relating that to your business, I mean, do people look at that and say, you know, and how do you handle it when they go, boy, you know what, this video, this video didn't play out, uh, I could have got this information for free on YouTube, give me my money back. Like, what's that like in your world when you have to deal with customers like that? Or do you not see as much as that as I think maybe some of us with freemium products see because your customer just is so willing to learn that maybe you've got the ideal sort of product slash service. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Pagely. Pagely, where we help big brands scale WordPress, it's enterprise WordPress hosting in the Amazon cloud. If you're building big, powerful WordPress websites for your clients, you need big, powerful hosting, and Pagely delivers. I use Pagely for my websites and e-commerce shops, so I trust their service, and I have no issues recommending them to you. Look, I only bring on sponsors that I trust. And who else trusts Pagely? Verizon, eBay, Disney, Twitter, and more. You can see that right on the homepage of their website. Pagely is the OG of WordPress managed hosting, and they're innovating the market every single day. If your clients trust you to write scalable code, then trust Pagely to host it for you. Check out pagely.com. Man, I'm grateful to say that we really haven't had that happen over the years. I mean, very rarely, I could probably count on one hand in the last eight years, I've had somebody say what you just described. You know, hey, I'm not getting what I thought I was going to get out of this training. I'd like my money back. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's listed right on the homepage as part of the process. And then we have follow-up emails that go back, you know, go out to uh, folks after they sign up and register in the first week to say, hey, have you gotten a chance to look at any of the free videos? If so, are they really answering your questions? We know that you came to the site to learn how to accomplish an online goal. Are we helping you to do that? And I think by reaching out, even though that that initial email uh, sequence is automated, it really opens up a channel for discussion. And that's really where we have the opportunity to make the biggest difference. Because while I know that, you know, WordPress training as we're delivering right now in videos is kind of a one size fits all approach. I acknowledge that people came here, came to WP 101 because they want to learn how to do something online, whether that's creating, you know, a blog to share recipes uh, or, you know, share about their travel journeys or create a business website and actually earn money. Uh, they came to WP 101 to learn how to do that. And if our videos don't help them get from point A to point B to accomplish those goals, I want to know about it because that's where we can really become really effective. So what I enjoy doing is getting into those conversations with folks, getting into the trenches, finding out what their real goals are. And then often in the form of our Q and in our Q and a forum, that's where those questions and discussions take place. And I'm able to recommend or connect them with other services, other products, other plugins that specifically would serve their uh, particular need. And that to me is really the biggest benefit to WP 101 and probably the reason why we don't get more, you know, requests for refunds because they can find this kind of training on YouTube. Perhaps, uh, I've seen videos that were created on YouTube. We constantly get feedback that the WP 101 videos are much higher quality and folks understand that. So our audience understands that they're willing to pay a premium for videos that are well produced, professionally scripted, you know, to the point, closed captioned, uh, you know, some of those types of things that you're just not going to find uh, on YouTube, no ums and ahs, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I think by delivering that type of an experience, coupled with the very personal real world uh, solutions that you get from our Q&A forum helps us to kind of bridge that gap and, and uh, ensure people are getting out of the course what they came to us for. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a great, uh, great stance. I mean, I think a lot of folks, even if, they're thinking about creating their own help videos for people because a lot of people are getting into that. And that's actually going to segue into my next question is I think a lot of folks are turning to education uh, in this world where, you know, tools are getting cheaper. You can access, you know, overseas development for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Side note, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, just in the, the last recording I, I did earlier today with AJ Morris from Liquid Web, we talked about how, you know, tools like Beaver Builder, even Divi from Elegant Themes, these tools, although there's that whole political storm of whether or not you want to use a page builder, yeah. the reality is folks just want a one-stop shop yep. to just grab it, build their site, 
They don't care what you have to say about scaling your site and short codes and things like that. Everything's right in front of them and they can build it with ease, uh, which is starting to pull away from, you know, the smaller consultant from coming in and selling somebody, maybe a $500 site, a $1,000 site. So there's a real... um, there's a real urgency for folks to say, I gotta switch my business up. Maybe I'll turn to teaching. And maybe I'll turn to teaching, maybe not online, but my local community, right? And starting with something like that. Um, any words of advice for people who, are, who want to get into the, the teaching market, even if they do wanna create a, a 101 series for WordPress similar to yours, do you, do you have words of advice or you say, I'm just the man and you got to come buy my stuff <laughs> instead. <laughs> no, absolutely not, man. Um, in fact, over the years, it's been really interesting to see, uh, you know, other uh, well-known products and services and and then individual trainers, uh, you know, come and go in the space. Long-running guys like Bob WP, you know, who's been around a long time, provides great, you know, one-on-one kind of personalized training um, to, uh, my friend Troy Dean, who we've joked about being in, in, uh, kind of coopetition with each other because we've had, we have very similar products in our, in our plugins, which provide video training right in the WordPress dashboard. We do kind of a similar thing, but in different ways. In some cases, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to send a customer to video user manuals if it's going to be a better fit for his product, uh, and vice versa. So, there's there's plenty of room for people to get into the education space. And I believe strongly that, you know, the people that you're going to reach are going to be different than the people that I reach and serve. And we're all going to do that in slightly different ways. We're going to approach the training in slightly different ways. It's going to resonate with a particular audience. And so, you know, as a rule, <laughs> I don't really subscribe to uh, this idea that there's only so much pie and we each have to get our little piece of it. And if you get into the space, then you're taking away from my pie, right? So I, I tend to subscribe more to uh, a mindset of abundance. There's plenty, plenty for all of us to do, plenty of uh, work to be done in the education space in particular. And so I, I really encourage folks to get into education. Honestly, I feel like no matter what level you're you're in, whether you're running an agency or you're doing a freelance uh, freelance design services or development services, we're all really in the business of educating. Right. I mean, when you talk to your customer from day one, you're talking about introducing them to tools and particular methods and a process. And along the way, you're educating them um, in why they should use this particular tool, process or method. Um, And so we really are already doing education where I think a lot of folks are missing it is when they finish, you get the deliverable done. The website's been handed off. It's been launched. That's where we tend to stop the process. And what we're talking about really is how to provide some continuing education, continual resources that keep you connected to that person, that customer, that audience uh, more long term. So there's plenty of room, I think, for folks who want to get into the education space and and use, like you said, the the tons of tools that are available to us today to create great screencast videos or, you know, DSLR videos. There's so many great tools that you can use now to create those uh, educational materials that will serve your audience. The and you, just shifting gears slightly before you brought up um, specifically about the business, sort of how you send out these uh, follow up emails. Maybe you do some sort of abandoned cart sort of uh, scenarios, which is really popular in, mar- in marketing automation, which is another great buzzword that, that's happening nowadays. Uh, you just mentioned about following up with customers, and that's really where the magic happens. It's not the site, but it's like supporting them and, and edu- educating them to keep them through. What tools do you use on the site to automate that? I mean, it could be as easy as MailChimp, or you might be using Customer I.O. What what do you use on your site? Yeah, there's a lot of tools to choose from these days. And I'm stoked that the LMS, the learning management system that powers WP101, we just migrated to it earlier in the year. Lifter LMS is the name of that plugin. And they actually have um, a great tool built in called Engagements. Engagements you can use to... Uh, do some of the more obvious things like, um, you know, reward students for completing courses so they can earn badges or certificates of completion. Those are all important things for us to deliver uh, because we're delivering online courses. Everybody likes to uh, have their learning kind of gamified, right? We all like those rewards and those tangible things. That's one way to use engagements. I'm also using their engagements to send out uh, short emails as strategic points uh, throughout our courses. So, for example, when I know that a student has completed uh, a lesson that covers a really particularly complicated topic, um, I can send out an email to say, hey, you know, permalinks can be really confusing. 
And we just covered this topic of permalinks in this video you just watched. Do you have any questions about permalinks that I can help you with? That's an engagement. Uh, we're not relying on any third-party tools really to do that because it's all built into uh, Lifter LMS. So those guys have done a phenomenal job, I think, of creating a product that uh, that kind of puts the personal, the human touch back into online learning. Um, and I think that's massive. Now, you can do similar things, I'm sure, with you know MailChimp. We do use MailChimp for our email newsletter. Uh, so there's other tools that we use for other purposes, but specifically providing that kind of high-touch uh, experience as a student's making their way through the courses. Uh, I don't know of any other product that's really uh, put as much thought and effort as they have into, uh, again, putting that kind of human touch back into online learning. So I, I love their approach. One of the things that we chatted about before the show started, uh, speaking about human, speaking of human touch, is sort of the, the challenges that you face with educating folks or, um, you know, creating your curriculum around the way you've been doing it for years, but then reaching new audiences, new cultures, new languages, new countries, that kind of thing. People coming into WordPress for the very first time. Um, what's the biggest challenge for your business sort of reaching, you know, I guess how I'll say just a, a, a non-English U.S. speaking customer, right? I mean, in terms of growth for your business, I'm thinking like, well, the next growth comes from using the same material, but translating it over to a culture, a language that you just don't provide. And then it's just going after that market. Um, is that a particular challenge? How do you focus on that and, and all that good stuff? I mean, it's a massive challenge. And, <laughs> and one we've been, uh, you know, wrestling with for years, it was, uh, probably three years ago, um, when, I created the Spanish version of the WordPress 101 series, just those 20, 23 videos, and uh, partnered with a you know phenomenal WordPress developer who spoke Spanish, was also good uh, on you know creating videos, had the production skills that we needed, but is also a good teacher. And uh, finding all of that in one person is really challenging. And I knew when we were trying to create the videos in Spanish that the easiest way to do that was going to be to translate closed captions, right? Um, we already close caption our videos and I feel like that's really important. Uh, all of our videos are carefully scripted. So every word is already, uh, scripted and that lends itself really well to closed captioning videos. And we could translate those, uh, closed captions and we probably are going to, but initially what I tried to do is to create an even better experience. So I thought the best experience is going to be to, you know, translate the entire video, use a localized Spanish dashboard, a localized version of WordPress. And then because we have these, uh, you know, this Q&A forum, well, let's create a Spanish speaking Q&A forum uh, just to serve that audience, uh, you know, a Spanish speaking Facebook group. So we built up and spun up all of this and then launched it to the sound of crickets. And man, it was, it was brutal because we put so much time and effort into doing it. And, and it was really surprising because, uh, we had conducted research. We sent out polls and surveys. We've got tons of requests over the years to translate the videos into Spanish. So we really thought this is going to be a home run. It's going to serve a great audience. we made the price point, uh, a fraction of, uh, what we charge for WP 101 for the initial course. And, uh, and even at that, it just didn't move. And, uh, so I think after 12 months we had, less than a couple dozen, uh, Spanish speaking students. And you know, that was, that was tough, man. And we really, we reached out to several people in the WordPress space to just say, what did we miss? You know, what did, where'd we go wrong here? Because we, we thought we had some demand, uh, but we're just not seeing that now that we've launched this product. The problem is given WordPress's really aggressive release schedule, you know, we got three or four major upgrades a year. Every time that happens, we have to update and re-record videos to do that across multiple languages obviously represents a massive challenge. So I've actually, you know, I, I've been continuing to, to think about this for a long time. And I, I, I think there may be some, some ways we can, uh, explore automation tools, uh, some other things we can do to make this happen in an easier way. I'm still committed to doing it. And uh, I feel like it can be done. You're right. There are two ways that WP 101 can grow. Uh, one is uh, we can grow more broadly by offering more courses, and we're continuing to do that uh, for additional plugins and, and uh, other topics like SEO and other things like that. Uh, so that's one way that we can grow, but we can also go much deeper by just translating our current content into other languages. And I definitely want to do that. You know, we partnered with GoDaddy in the last year to uh, make our videos available to their audience. 
And, you know, they represent 40 something countries, different countries. And, and we would love to be able to take these videos, put them into other languages and, and uh, have them serve a much larger audience. So that's a, a massive uh, challenge and uh, one I'm putting a lot of thought into. And I enjoy brainstorming sessions with folks who have creative ideas about ways to do that, that are a better learning experience, not just translating closed captions. Meanwhile, a mentor of mine used to say, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And uh, <laughs> by that, I mean, he doesn't mean do what you do poorly, but get out there and do it. And sometimes the the easiest thing is is uh, the thing that's right in front of you. We have an opportunity, at least right now, to translate our closed captions. So with the release of 4.7, WordPress 4.7, we will translate our closed captions into other languages. So we're going to go ahead and do that. So we start serving that audience. And then we're going to work toward doing that even better. Do you have a gut feeling as to maybe why the Spanish one, the Spanish version sort of fell flat. Uh, and let me just stage this a little bit for you because I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, suffer from this, I guess is the best way I could put it is we we have one product going and it's it's going 100% and we're like, man, we are happy with this. And then we, we go, ooh, look at this. Look at this shiny object over <laughs> here. And then, we, and then we go after it, right? It's a great idea, right? So in your case, maybe the Spanish version and you get somebody to do it and you pay... Uh, that person to do it for you. And there's all this build up time of developing it. It doesn't launch the way you wanted it to. And then we sort of just like, well, we kind of give up on it. We say, you know what? That didn't work. Yeah. But when you think about how long it took your main product to, to become success, successful, uh, do you feel like maybe you didn't give it enough time to succeed? Uh, or is there other, some like gut feeling that said, you know what, this was, this is the thing that I think was really off with this. I think there were definitely, you know, looking back on it now, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I think uh, there, there are some things we could have done differently and better. Uh, for example, we could have had a bigger, stronger presence in our Spanish-speaking markets uh, at WordCamps, for example. So we sent our developer partner uh, to a couple, but I think we probably could have done more. And and in the end, I feel like it's it's really relationships that matter the most. So as long as we're able to uh, create those relationships to begin with, with Spanish speaking developers, um, I think we could have, you know, added this tool to their uh, arsenal so that they already have, you know, they have a, a phenomenal toolbox of things that they're already doing and delivering. But if we had been able to add that to their toolbox, then they could use that for their customers. That could have given us some better traction. I'm a big fan of not answering questions that aren't being asked. So, you know, I was really particular about diving into the languages to make sure that we conducted surveys. We found out what was the most popular language uh, that we could serve first and best. So we did a tremendous amount of kind of legwork and then reached out to a couple of consultants to get their, uh, you know, feedback and suggestions about how we might tackle the whole entire uh, project. So I feel like we did a lot of work up front. Um, and to be honest, it still is kind of perplexing uh, to me to think about where we might have missed it. So, you know, gosh, we're all going to have failures. You're going to have things that you put out, you know, uh, that just don't take off like you think they're going to. Um, for me, that's not a reason to get discouraged. Uh, what we decided to do is to pull back. Let's think about how we can serve these folks in the meantime. And then um, let's make another run at it. After we've yeah. had time to collect some other, you know, data and feedback and, and, uh, and suggestions from other folks, so we can really dive into what didn't work. Uh, then let's make another run at it. So, uh, yeah, I'm more inclined to, to, to not give up on a thing. I, I believe it's very important that we take these videos and, and help them to serve as largest audience as possible. And in so doing, we got to figure out, um, yeah, the, the best strategy for doing that. Yeah. You know, and I think it's particularly difficult for your product because it needs to be updated and refreshed to meet the demands of the updates of the software mm -hmm. versus, you know, you build the plugin and you just didn't, you just didn't have the right marketing. So people didn't pick up on it, but the code can kind of just sit there, you know, so long as it's going to work as, as WordPress updates, but majority of the time it will. Right. So you can't just let that version one sit there for six, eight months and just continuously try to go back at marketing it and pushing it in a new direction. Because in your case, you need to spend the money on refreshing the material with somebody who you're paying because you don't speak the language natively. Exactly. Um, so it's certainly an interesting um uh, as an interesting position to be in. And, but I think you're right. The need is definitely there. Uh, and I, I really think that, yeah, I mean, if you can go at it with a lightweight version, like you said, translate the uh, closed captioning stuff and, and other, other things like that, then, you know, 
it's better than hiring somebody to be the personality behind the camera to do it and, and voiceover and all that fun stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, how do you keep up with the demand of the the various plugins, um, the popular plugins? Um, it's an interesting thing to me in terms of creating the material. So now you become not only having to keep up with WordPress release cycle, but <laughs> you like I looking on the site right now, you have upcoming for for gravity forms you have upcoming for jetpack and jetpack just revamped everything right uh how do you how do you manage that uh in your business so again you know i'm going to come back to not answering questions that aren't being asked so the particular plugins that we're choosing to create courses for uh, there are kind of two major criteria one is because of our interactions with students in the q a forums um, we're kind of acutely aware of the problems that they're trying to solve and forms, you know, adding any contact forms and things like that to your website to me is uh, it's just kind of a, a no brainer. We need to be able to support that. Gravity Forms uh, makes sense because they're one of the leaders uh, in that space. We're one of the first to market, definitely have one of the largest market shares, I think, when it comes to creating uh, custom forms. Uh, and for a long time for developers, that was the weapon of choice. That matters for us because another of the criteria are who are we serving? Uh, with this. And so making sure that they have enough of a footprint to make it worthwhile for us to create a series of videos for this product and make sure they have some stick. Because the last thing we want to do is to invest in creating a course for beginners, release that course and teach them how to build, you know, custom forms using this product that then decides to shutter, you know, their doors a year from now. So, um, so that's a, a criteria for us is making sure the developers are embracing these tools. At the moment, there are a couple of other major players. Ninja Forms comes to mind. WP Forms is another. The developers are rapidly embracing. So, uh, so there's going to be several ways that we can help an end user to do something as simple as adding a custom contact form uh, to their website, which they can also do through Jetpack. So uh, Jetpack makes a lot of sense because with some hosting environments, it's auto-installed. So we've got a good footprint of users that we could be serving right away by having videos that cover all the various you know, modules in Jetpack. Uh, we kind of dragged our heels a little bit because diving into Jetpack is, is massive. There's so many modules and creating, oh, yes. and creating you know, <laughs> a video to cover each one of those modules is, is a huge commitment. And we know there's going to constantly be new ones. So um, you know, one, of the thing, one of the challenges that I've had in scaling what originally was kind of a one-man operation uh, is how do you, how do you scale this kind of training, uh, online training business? And the, one of the ways, one of the strategies that we're using for that is we're partnering with some other subject matter experts. So I know I'm kind of segue and kind of getting a little off of your main question here, but That's for fine. the Jetpack video in particular, uh, that course rather, uh, we partnered with Zach Gordon, who's a phenomenal trainer, uh, knows Jetpack inside and out. Uh, already had relationships with the guys at Automatic, as as we did. But partnering with him to create that course makes a lot of sense, and uh, and uh, enables us to enables me to scale my time. So uh, similarly to what we did with the WooCommerce series, partnering with Daniel Espinoza, who's a phenomenal WooCommerce expert, knows it far better inside and out than I do. Uh, so he was far more qualified to create that course. So he wrote all the scripts. We partnered to create the videos together, collaborative uh, effort. Uh, so these are some kind of creative ways to scale and make sure that we're able to create new courses for big plugins like Jetpack, Gravity Forms, and others to come. Um, but by partnering with these subject matter experts, we're uh, kind of able to leverage multiple team members and make sure that we're able to honor our commitment, which is constantly keeping these videos up to date. If I'm the one who has to do that with every video course we create, it's going to be a monumental undertaking. So that's right. Yeah. One of the, one of the you, you will never leave the studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, man, Jetpack, just as an aside, boy, that I do like the new refresh of 4.0, yeah. but there's definitely, uh, there's definitely some, what's the word I'm looking for? I wouldn't say it's fragmentation, but it, if for somebody who's new to this stuff, like, oh, I have to go create a WordPress.com account. And then you go and create a WordPress.com account and it's like, oh, check out our new WordPress editor. And you're like, wait, I can write blog posts over here that'll go into my .org right. website? Like, wait a minute. Like, should I be over here? Should I be over there? Like, where do I go? Um, and I find that interesting. And it's interesting to see where they're going with Jetpack in terms of monetizing some of their services and, and sort of getting into uh, deepening that sales cycle into the, a .org installation. Um. What have you seen in terms of educating 
customers are uh, consultants in the WordPress space. I think a lot of some of the shortcomings to the way people look at WordPress and use plugins in WordPress, again, I go back to like page builders and so many of us that are so deeply rooted into WordPress, we go, oh, don't use a page builder. But really, the, the problem doesn't stem from the page builder in most cases, but it stemmed from the, the consultant that installed things the wrong way or never updated uh, WordPress plugins to begin with. They set and forget it. They got their 500 bucks and they're off to the next client and they don't care what happens to that small business. And then that small business comes knocking on your door and like, Sean, my site sucks. Everything's broken. I hate WordPress, yep. right? And then you come in, you're like, well, why did they use a page builder? This hasn't been updated in three years. I mean, what have you seen from service servicing end users in the reactions or feedback or whatever it might be that you've seen come from consultants in the WordPress space? People who just who haven't spent the time to do a quality job yeah. uh, with yeah. setting stuff up. Man, I'm going to rant for a second because we, <laughs> <laughs> because one of the most popular things that I hear uh, in our Q and A forum is, you know, we worked with so-and-so developer designer who created our site and now they've gone AWOL, right? Like we can't get a hold of them. They don't answer our phone calls. And Hey, you know, I worked as a freelancer for 26 years, so I get it. I understand that there are reasons why relationships go sideways sometimes. Uh, but one of the things that I think we're missing as a whole is the opportunity for freelancers, consultants to think more long-term about their relationships with their clients. And I think they're actually missing a huge opportunity. So, um, you know, I'm talking about just numbers, man. This is just math. If you really begin to value your clients and, and think of them as long-term relationships instead of projects that you deliver and then you're out, you got paid and you're done, you're, you're leaving a phenomenal amount of money on the table by not really getting into the trenches with your clients and partnering with them long-term. And if you partner with them long-term, that would certainly solve a lot of the problems that we're seeing uh, come up in our Q&A forum. And so we are constantly being asked to support things or people go through our videos and say, hey, but I've got these extra menu items over here. And I don't know what this is. And I realize, oh, this this is a third-party plugin or a theme that they're that they're really talking about. So we've got to figure out ways to you know, help those people. And, uh, and it's really been an interesting dynamic, you know, with, with kind of eight years of creating these videos, I've seen this trend in the WordPress space where originally, uh, there were plenty of folks in that space to serve the 500, a thousand, twenty five hundred $2,500 customer, right. Delivering some basic solutions. And it seems to me like in the last two or three years, and this is indicative of kind of the, the maturation of the whole WordPress community. That's a, it's a good thing, but I've seen a lot of those developers that I knew six and seven years ago, all go upstream, which is phenomenally great. Do that, make, you know, go after bigger customers, uh, more challenging work, more meaningful work. Um, do that. But what's happened, I think, is that we've opened up a gap and anyone who doesn't have five to $10,000 to spend on their website is left in this kind of no man's land of DIY. And nobody really wants to service that customer. And uh, that's who we deal with. So we're dealing with beginners or people who, uh, you know, had a site developed for them and then the, the keys were handed off and now they're just lost. And so they're staring at these screens and it kind of circles back to what we we're talking about earlier about consultants providing education for their customers. If you're able to create a series of tutorial videos that cover that very custom functionality that you've built for your customers, man, that's going to go a long way towards serving them long-term uh, and answering questions or reminding them of things that are present in their dashboard that you created as a custom solution for them. So that's another way to really leverage your time. But coming back to uh, a missed opportunity for these consultants, man, it drives me nuts at the number of consultants who just kind of rinse their hands of a project when it's done, take their check, and then bail on a customer. And that's a customer who may be around for years, and you could serve them in a lot of different ways, whether it's providing maintenance services or you know the occasional update. So just shifting your thinking from project-based to more relationship-based, uh, I think would probably go a long way towards solving some of these problems that we're dealing with every day. Uh, end of my yeah. rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we talked before about this and it's, it's definitely something that's there. This is not a question, but this is more of a, you know, spaghetti against the wall thing. It would be great to see some kind of official training slash 
certification slash education at WordCamps for consultants, right? For people who are using this tool for other people. So I know they have, some WordCamps have the day before, I forget what it's called, but it's like the day before the real WordCamp starts, there's the, um, like the 101 class, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I, uh, I, I hosted one here in Providence and, um, I can't remember the official name for it, but they do that for beginner people just to learn how to use WordPress. I think there should be some kind of thing for, uh, for the consultants because yeah. Yeah. it's, it's like a, it's getting to the point where it's like a dangerous weapon <laughs> where <laughs> you just, you know, you, you go and you just throw things together for people. And then what that does is impact the end user's experience with WordPress so people go, oh, you know, I used a WordPress site once and all it did was get hacked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was terrible. I'll never, u- I'll never use WordPress again. Yeah. Or it was too confusing. There was all these things I had to do and I'll never use WordPress again. But it's not WordPress's fault. It's just the way that the person who implemented it. Yeah. Right. And I really feel like there should, you know, you should do pop-up shops at every WordCamp. Get on that. <laughs> <laughs> get on that. You will travel to every WordCamp uh, and just set up these consulting shops. Every yeah, time. yeah. Yeah. Um, but Dude, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, we've we've sponsored a lot of the uh, kind of WordPress 101 uh, days at these uh, WordCamps, and we're happy to continue doing that and provide these kind of follow-up resources. That's a great place to make our videos available for free or at a significant discount to anyone who attends those things. So we've been happy to par- partner with WordCamps to do that. I agree with you that that needs to be happening at the consultant level as well. We've seen a lot of WordCamps add the kind of business track which I think is a, is an attempt to answer that same question. But there are really some, like you just you just mentioned, kind of the 101 topics of how to do business, particularly in this space. And it just could just be a missed opportunity. Like you may just, may just not be aware that there's an opportunity to have an ongoing monthly recurring charge to your customers to just you know provide some support, one or two hours a month, for example, uh, that they may or may not use. But when they need it, man, that would go a long way toward improving the overall experience of WordPress. Because you're right, uh, the folks we hear from end up making conclusions about WordPress uh, and particular plugins and themes uh, based on the experience that was handed to them by their consultant or developers. So, man, a lot can be done in that regard. And like I said, you know, if one of the if if the holy grail is to create products because they generate recurring revenue, make money while you sleep, and all of that stuff, right? <laughs> then why aren't you charging monthly recurring fees to your customers to continue that relationship that you've already got? It, it makes no sense to me. Why would you invest the time to getting to know your customer, their audience, their product, their service, so that you can create the, the website, the product for them, uh, and then not want to leverage all of that information, that background information into additional products and services into a more long-term relationship. Huge miss opportunity there. So that is one of those one-on-one topics that I think uh, could benefit everyone as a whole. It benefits the entire WordPress community from beginners to uh, to, to the, the very freelancers and consultants who are offering these services in the first place. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's like, um, you know, hearing you say that and, and us sort of brainstorming it right now, it's it's like one of those unsexy things, right? So like, you know, I, I before earlier today, I, yeah, I, I love, I, I'm like a clot, like I love bad internet marketing advertising. <laughs> like I love it. Like I, I have this obsession with shitty advertising yeah. that I see on Facebook. And there was one today that I, I tweeted out and it's a picture of a, you know, probably, a, a, you know, a nice resort somewhere is a, a, a pool, uh, some chairs around it. And, you know, the headline is like uh, 10, 000, uh, 10K WordPress sites every month, right? On autopilot or something yeah. like that. And, you know, and I'm just like, oh, dear Jesus, like this is the problem <laughs> right here because there's nothing, there's nothing of like real relationship helping the customer, you know, build this more like, look, you build this cycle of this funnel and it's just, you know, burn and turn, burn and turn. And that's how we, you know, how we do things. But there is appeal to that, right? Because it's like 10K a month in WordPress. Nothing there that says, okay, every month you should be updating your customer sites, looking at their Google Analytics, checking in their social. (laughs) Like nobody wants to do that. It's like, you know, how do you lose weight? 
you exercise and you eat chicken and rice. Yeah. Oh, I can't take a pill to do that? No. <laughs> you know, you have to work at yeah, it, right? Yeah. And a lot of people just don't like to hear that. Let me dive backwards into my old freelance experience because it was the same thing that we saw happen there. And I, I know you've seen things written about the democratization of design. So particularly with web designers, you know, when you've got ready-built themes that, by the way, some of them look amazing – and it's 19 bucks, you know, 39 bucks. Man, does that make it hard as a, you know, freelance designer to sell your services, you know, sell a $5,000, $10,000 website design to a customer. And so when I started off in freelance design, it was a similar thing. We were creating brochures, logos, one-off projects here and there. This is print before web. And then, you know, web was creating these, these kind of static brochure sites, um, and, and again, you just had these kind of one-off projects. And then when it was done, it was gone. It wasn't until, you know, well into my second decade as a designer when I started realizing the very thing that we're talking about, which is, man, I'm already putting in, I'm investing a tremendous amount of time in getting to know my customer, their audience, their message, their product and service, what makes you unique in the space so that we can, you know, deliver the first in what could be a series of projects. So while, while I think it's, it's, uh, while I think it's important to do what you do and do it really well, uh, I, I really hit my stride as a freelancer when I began thinking about customers in a more long-term relationship. Customers loved it. They, they loved having that one person that they could call and, uh, and talk to about, we're, we're creating the next marketing campaign. What should our you know strategy be? What's the best deliverable to support that? And uh, I ended up having some great customers, these ongoing relationships with customers, five, six years, where I kind of became more their their uh, outhouse, um, you know, design and, and uh, advertising department. And um, and so anyway, I, I think we kind of have a similar thing going on in the WordPress space now when we talk about the democratization of web publishing, and that is the mission of WordPress. Uh, and as such, there's a tremendous opportunity here to, to do both. And we're going to see products, uh, come in and serve that kind of low end. Uh, but what I'm advocating for is the kind of empathy and the type of people that really will, you know, keep the beginners in mind and continue to think about ways they can serve them long-term. And I think there's a lot of work that could be done in that regard before we kick them over into the no man's land of DIY. Yeah. You know, it's, Again, just sort of riffing on the whole impact of the broader impact of WordPress, not just now, but in, in years to come of the brand and, and how people perceive it. I've begun to, to, I mean, I shouldn't say I've begun, I've been doing it for years, but saying no to a lot of projects that come yes. in. But one one that comes to mind is very recently is a woman that came to me and she, I mean, she has everything, she's a project manager. Sorry, I just muted myself. She's a project manager in a different market. So everything was, you know, well organized. This idea was ready to go. I mean, you know, very, everything's T's are crossed, I's are dotted. Like this is what I like as a, as a consultant to have delivered to me, but it was a very big idea. And, um, her, her misconception of WordPress was, well, I can't just build this with one of these themes on ThemeForest, right? Like I can't just take this. And, and she had everything mapped out. Like when I tell you, like this was an amazing, like it wasn't an RFP, but it was just her idea set up. Um, she had for every page that she wanted, it was like different business for every page. Like it did different things. One was an e-commerce, one was a membership, one was a blog, one was a video gallery, but they were all like different verticals, different business verticals under one site. And she picked out five different themes for each one. Wow. Because she she thought in her mind, like, oh, I can just pull from this theme over here, grab that off the yeah. shelf, pull from this theme over here, grab that off the shelf. And I was like, no, 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 it, it does not work like that. Wow. Like, it just doesn't work like that. There's no way we would do that. And if we did, you'd spend so much money for us trying to pull all those pieces together. We should have just started from the beginning. Yeah. But the idea that they can see something available that looks amazing for 19 bucks, yeah. they like this stuff. Sorry. And they go, oh, God, like I have to invest in all this stuff. Like, oh, geez, I don't want to do that. It scares them away. On the flip side, I've had people that come to me and I say, nope, this isn't going to happen. Another customer recently. I'm like, no way. We're, this will never happen at this budget. Uh, we can use that theme for, you know, 19 bucks that you found on theme for us. But there's, here's all my... Here's my warnings before we even begin. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to even bid on this project, right? 
customer goes out, sends me an email back that he found a, an agency that was going to do it for half the price that I quoted in sort of like a, like a zing, like a, look, Matt, I found this other agency that's going to do it for half the price. <laughs> and, and here's the kicker. A week later, he comes back and he says, things fell through with that other agency. I'm wondering if you would kind of look at this again and see if you really need to be that high. Need to, need to be that high. My price is now doubled <laughs> because you realize that no one's going to do it for this price, right? Yeah. Um, but there, the, the danger is some people will just say, oh, yeah, we'll take that $19 site and charge you five grand to do it. Yeah. And oh, by the way, guess what? 60 days from now, the project's still not launched and they're coming back to you and saying, hey, we need another five grand to do yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just a rant right there. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just a rant in, in this space. Yeah, I, I totally, totally get it, man. And I, I totally agree with you as well. I mean, I, I've seen it happen on kind of both ends of the spectrum. So while I am at one hand, on one hand, you know, advocating for uh, consultants and, you know, smaller agencies in particular to start thinking more long term about customers and how they could serve them down the road, um, you know, I, I, I'm equally aware that you need to be able to filter the customer that you serve best. And that's what you're talking about, being able to say no to certain clients. The ones that you're able to serve the best is where you're going to make the biggest difference. That's who you want to build those long-term relationships with. So yeah, that's incredibly important. Uh, one of the most valuable lessons I think you can learn as you go on is just is, just determining who is your ideal customer, how do you serve them best, and then uh, going about doing that. Let's talk about some of this fun audio video stuff as we wrap up yeah. this amazing interview. I'm doing a, um, I think it's called, I didn't, I didn't title it. It's the, the people at the co-working space that I am a member of. Uh, how to podcast like a pro, which is laughable because I do not consider myself <laughs> a pro by any stretch of the imagination. Come on. Um, but I'm going to teach people in the local area uh, on how to start a podcast and, and, and what, they, um, you know, what they should expect from it. And the, the, the questions, the two big questions that come up is what hardware do I need, yep. you know, to do this? And I hate the sound of my voice, <laughs> <laughs> right? How have you bridged the gap? And I'm sure you get this question a million times from people saying, what hardware do you use? How did you battle this sort of fear of doing it? What, what, what's your take on all that? Yeah, that's funny. So we can fix the first one. The second one, we can't do anything about your, your voice is right. always going to sound <laughs> weird to you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I'm going to come back to the words of my mentor. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And by that, I mean, the most important thing is to think about the audience you're going to serve. Why are you creating the podcast in the first place? I'm a big fan of starting with why let's start with that question and answer it. Because if that's a compelling answer and you've got an audience of people who want to hear what you have to say about something, then buy the USB mic that serves you best right now, start recording tomorrow, and down the road, you're gonna upgrade your gear and you're gonna work into better uh, better equipment. You're gonna figure out perhaps microphones that work better for your voice. So I did a shootout. I lined up six different USB mics, all the popular USB mics, and uh, just recorded my voice using all of them. And I was kind of surprised that one of the more popular mics, USB mics, the Rode Podcaster, phenomenal mic. Uh, it works great for a lot of different people. My voice sounded like I was talking through a tube. I mean, it was horrible. It just sounded so bad. Um, so, you know, that's why I think it's, it's important. If you're, if you have the opportunity to experiment that stuff, do that, do it down the road and don't let anything keep you from starting right away. Um, that said, you know, I had a background in audio video, uh, as a musician and creating videos and other things like that. So, um, that that definitely served me, uh, has served me well over the years. And I think that getting the audio quality right probably makes the biggest difference in whatever you're delivering. And I've seen that happen over and over again. I've, seen, I've heard that feedback from people over the years uh, that the WP101 video is one of the things that sets us apart from every other YouTube video out there on how to use WordPress is the production quality. And that really boils down to the type of gear that we use in addition to a lot of things that Hey, I'm just, I'm just super anal about the, all the little tiny details and being that, uh, freakish about all the tiny details, I think is what sets those videos apart. So, um, same thing when it applies to, when it comes to, to gear. So once you graduate from a USB mic, that's when it gets really fun because now you're looking at amps and, you know, DA converters and other ways to connect your microphone, your big high powered radio broadcast quality microphone. Uh, but I'm actually surprised, like for a podcaster, you can get some great professional quality gear. The price point has come down so far and it's gotten so doable. And honestly, to me, the biggest 
like the first investment I would make after your USB mic is to buy these soundproof audio panels that I'm constantly pimping out. I should be a salesperson for the, for RLX. Give them to me because I need them. <laughs> what is it? They're awesome. Um, there's a product called Desk Max, Desk hyphen Max, M-A-X. RLX is the company that makes them. They're a, they made their name uh, creating that studio foam that, you, that you've seen pictures of uh, that's used in every recording studio, that kind of diamond-shaped foam. Uh, so they make soundproofing materials that has a certain amount of fiberglass built into it. Desk Max, these two panels they made, they come in pairs. It comes on a little stand. And if you're a podcaster, buy this little set of two panels, set them up on either side of your recording setup, and that's going to eliminate easily 70 to 80% of your echo from your room. And that's the thing that I hear most common from public is how do I get rid of this echo from the room that I'm recording in? And so that's a very small investment. I think they cost less than a couple hundred bucks and it will make the biggest difference in your audio quality next to microphones and other gear that I love geeking out about. <laughs> and what kind of setup do you have in terms of microphone into amp into the computer? Yeah. So I'm using the, um, sure SM seven B it's an amazing broadcast quality mic. Uh, famously Michael, Michael, uh, Jackson used it to record all his vocals. Uh, the, uh, acapella group pentatonics uses them. If you ever see them perform, they got these big mics in front of them. They're used in recording studios all over the country. It has a really warm, uh, quality. And as I tested other microphones, this is the one that worked best to me for my voice. Uh, that microphone requires a lot of power so it can't plug directly into your computer. Uh, it actually has to use a preamp. And so I bought the Grace Design uh, M101, fittingly. It's the, it's the 101 that got me as soon as they had that. I like, I buy this <laughs> uh, it's actually a really highly rated uh, preamp that delivers the power that this microphone needs to sound its best. And then out of that preamp, I go into a uh, Duet uh, digital audio interface and that's how it connects to my computer ultimately. So the Duet by Apogee is a super clean uh, digital analog converter. It doesn't add anything. No color is super flat. So it doesn't add anything or take away anything to the microphone quality. So that's the basic setup. And then I record in GarageBand with a couple of filters that I purchased that handle some of the mastering and EQ and, and uh, compression and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, you know, GarageBand comes on every Mac. It's a great tool. And it works great for doing this kind of single track audio that we use for screencasts. And uh, that's yeah. really the extent of my setup. Yeah, I started, uh, when I started, I started recording in, um, what do you call it, Audacity. And then I switched, <laughs> recently just switched over to Audition yep. um, by Adobe, which is a bear of a product. Yeah. Um, and even still, sometimes I miss how fast I could do things in, uh, in audacity just cause I was so used to doing it in audacity. Yeah. Um, but there's some really sweet, like background noise editing. I don't even know yeah. what the word is for it, but in audition that you can do like seeing like a heat map of the audio yep. and being yep. able to pull out pieces is, is I mean, it's awesome. Yep. Uh, you just got to pay for it yep. and learn how to use That's it. That's right. Yep. Some of those tools um, can end up being like, you know, killing a mosquito with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, yeah. I used to use logic and I realized, man, this is way overkill when all I'm doing is recording one track of audio, two tracks of audio at a time. So uh, yeah, it's about using yeah. the tool that works best for you. Uh, I think that's super important. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we're not producing music here. It's that's just right. like you said, a couple of tracks and, and that's it. Um, and, and again, I think that for anybody who's out there who's listening, cause there's so many people creating podcasts and that's awesome. Um, it's awesome, but you really have to pay, and I'm guilty of this too, like you really have to pay attention to uh, the, the quality that you put out there because if two or three podcasts are popping up every week in your, in your niche, whatever it might be, I mean, look at WordPress. It's probably like, there's like a dozen, there's more than a dozen podcasts in WordPress. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many, yeah. right? There's so many. Uh, and you really have to set yourself apart by making sure that the quality is uh, as best as possible because, you know, if people are hearing a, a high quality podcast somewhere else, you're going to tune into that just because they can hear it when they're outside yeah, running right. or at the gym and just in the car. Like it just sounds better throughout all of those different uh, areas. So, Man, if there's one lesson I've taken away from the years of WP, it's that quality is a massive differentiator. It's putting the time and effort into creating something of the best quality possible uh, is to me uh, massive and it's often overlooked. So I totally agree with you. It's a great way to end the show. Sean, thanks for doing it. Where can folks find you to say thanks? 
Obviously, we have our website at WP101.com, and we use Twitter for that account, WP101. You can find me at Left Lane on Twitter, and then I blog at SeanHesketh.com. Amazing stuff. Everyone else, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list where one day you will receive an email from me uh, on a consistent basis. <laughs> uh, and if you did enjoy episode an episode like this, head on over to iTunes. Give it the old five-star rating. It really helps us get found uh, in iTunes. Everyone says that, but it's so true. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I'm also in Google Play, but I'm in Stitcher, SoundCloud on mattreport.com. Check it out. Thanks, everybody. Hey everyone, did you enjoy this episode? Head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It really helps. I say it all the time, but it definitely, definitely does. Always reach out to our guests and say thanks. Uh, we always link them up at the end of the show to share their Twitter account or wherever they can be found online. So make sure you go ahead and do that. They spend a lot of time with us. And thank our sponsors, Pagely and Valet, for keeping the Matt Report going until the end of the year. If you're interested in sponsoring the Matt Report. You can get a hold of me. It's mattreportblog at gmail.com or just mattreport.com slash contact. Reach out. Uh, we are looking for sponsorships going into 2017. Again, if you want to sponsor one of the premier WordPress podcasts out there, go ahead and reach out. mattreport.com slash contact. 